Hey, Perry Sen here. I had a blast sitting down with Eric Harland. You're in for a real treat here. Get to hear a little bit about what he's thinking about how he goes about approaching his sound. He was in town playing with the fabulous Chris Potter. And uh, this trio played some amazing music. Anyway, we're here to talk to him and hope you enjoy. My name is Perry Sen. Welcome to the Drumming Secrets Podcast. So the big question is this, how do we as drummers in the sea of information, videos, and what have you, actually find useful content and honest feedback that develops our talents, getting us to the next level quicker and more effectively to sound more confident and skilled on our instrument? Not to mention, by playing music we believe in, find the gigs, sessions, and tours, and pay our bills. That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Perry Sen. Welcome to the Drumming Secrets Podcast. Hey, so we have Eric Harlan here today, and I want to thank you so much for being on the show, man. Hey, man, it's awesome, man. Thanks for having me, being on the show. Wonderful times. Yeah, it was great seeing you guys last night. Eric's in town here with um, Chris Potter and your keyboard player's name, James, James Francis. James Francis. Yeah. Yeah, what a slamming band. Oh, oh my God. Um, yeah, I really loved it, man. It was at Dazzle. Yeah, yeah. Downtown. Yeah, Dazzle's downtown. And you're not new to De- uh, Denver, huh? Uh, not at all. No, not necessarily? Not necessarily. I, I mean, I, you don't live here, but... Yeah, it's, I, you know, I've been coming to Denver for years. I had a... Uh, one nice, well, I shouldn't say nice, a bit of a drought. Like, it was a weird time between the time I was playing with Terrence Blanchard and, like, and Betty Carter era, which was, like, late 90s, early 2000. Uh, then after that, it's like I hadn't seen Denver since since then. I started coming back to Denver, I would say, around about 2012, maybe 2010 with the SF Jazz Collective. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of like a eight-year gap where I was, I was missing my... Coloradoisms and, and haze and you know, but you know, I'm you back have, now. You have but, some things you like to see here. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a, a hermit on the road. Like I tend to go in the room and I just you know, uh, I just kind of tend to just be to myself because I've been on the road for like almost 25 years now. Wow, man. Yeah, and so <laughs> I'm, I'm really at the age where I really appreciate my alone time and right. just kind of time with myself and. Uh, and it, it also gives me the energy to be able to, um, you know, to be accessible, to be available when I'm playing and, like, you know, talking to people and stuff like that. Of course. Yeah. yeah. I, I realize when I run myself ragged throughout the day as well, I'm just burnt and done. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have anything left in the tank. Yeah, then you want to leave the gig and get out of there. Oh, man. Like, I just... Uh, that was something that was said amongst a couple of my buddies last night when we were watching the gig. Mm. And they were like... Oh, this is so cool. Oh, we're talking about Dazzle and about how what a great reception it was. Right. And how great it is to have a nice club in town. That's true. You know, and a good radio station. I mean, yeah, man. you guys got WBGO, but... Um, yeah. Is that still rocking? Uh, actually, it is. And uh, they're finding ways to, you know, to, to keep it running. All right. Uh, but I think WBGO is in Jersey, though. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jersey. Anyway, but that you guys were like hanging out and accessible. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, that's what we like to do. It, it keeps it like a family 
uh, atmosphere because, you know, jazz is different from, like, pop music and all yeah. that kind of stuff where, I don't know, I guess popular artists feel the need to be guarded and, you know, maybe they have certain type of fans that makes them feel endangered or something like that. But in jazz, it's just really honest and, you know, you feel like people really have honest questions and they just love to talk about the music, talk about life, you know, it's just... yeah. I feel like that's the tradition, you know, you know. It, Art it Blakey is. used to do it, Elvin Jones used to do, you know, I used to watch all these drummers, even Buddy Rich, like you see these um interviews with him just talking about life, talking about music, you know, talking about all other kind of stuff, which is nice too. And uh yeah, yeah it's just good times, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's how we learn most of it. I mean Yeah. Yeah. It, it, little things people say. I mean it was five years after I left Patterson, probably, and I heard Rufus Reed's voice, you know, about, and I'd wake up and go, oh, that's what he meant. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, it's hard to get it in that moment, and, you know, thankfully, you know, thankfully a lot of those guys, you know, they also just play with the legends and with legends themselves, and, you know, and the information just kept getting passed along, and that's that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. True. speaking of legends, I heard that, I think you told me last night that, you and Chris Dave had the same teacher? Yeah, we had the same teacher. Yeah. Same birthday. Same birthday. Yeah, yeah. That's my bro. That's yeah. cool. Um, what was it? Who's the teacher? Uh, this teacher is this guy named uh, Craig Green. All right. So Craig Green, he was really mostly known because he was part of the, um, like, the most popular uh, Cashmere Gardens stage band, which became, like, a highly recognized jazz stage band in Houston. Okay. And um, so much so that Jamie Foxx just did like a whole documentary based on that. Um, cool. The band director at the time, this guy named um, Conrad Johnson, we used to call him Prof, Professor. And uh, he's the one that really, really brought jazz to Houston. Like even after doing the stage band, he ended up uh, starting a summer jazz workshop that all of us went to me, Chris Dave, Kendrick Scott, Jason Moran, you know, Mike Marino, Walter Smith, you know, and a slew of other like really great artists. And yeah, it was the vibe. That's cool. So what, what did he stress on you guys? Because I noticed a similarity uh -huh. in how you and Chris, especially I've seen you two guys live. Okay. I haven't seen Kendra, but okay. I noticed an attack style, right? Uh, your your, not necessarily the grip, but definitely yeah. the yeah the sound on the instrument, the sound and the, probably the approach. Well, the I approach. think a lot of that comes from, and talking about Mr. Green, this uh, that probably had less to do with Mr. Green. Okay, more to do with the way that we interpreted it together. Because that's the thing, like Mr. Green, I always called him like the Buddhist of drums. So he had a way of teaching you. That if he could see that like your left hand was a little slacking or your right hand was a little s stronger, like he would just kind of have this simple approach of, and you wouldn't know why because we both went uh, started studying with him when we were really young, so he would like take a stick right and he'd be like oh yeah just play just play you know, and he'd take a stick and he'd kind of guide the stick over your hand, but still wanted you to get a certain sound a certain power, and it was funny like what that stick did it's like all you had to do was not hit the stick so you couldn't raise the your personal stick up too high to hit the stick that he had. And so that so just you, it built you're doing you. this. Exactly. So you built like your wrist and your finger strength and it really, really worked. But 
our similarity in styles is just because for years, me and Chris A would just sit and we'd play video games and we'd listen to music and then we would go into the drum room and then we'd practice till we'd tired, go back, play video games, listen to music, eat, and shed till we was tired and and then we find somewhere else to shed and, and then we would do these weird routines of like, you know, one day we'd be like, you know what? You know, we're gonna do as many push ups as we can so that our arms are like completely tired. And then we're gonna see who can play the fastest. You know, He's and then we just like yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was that's the thing that we would do and we would just do this like religiously, like over and over again. Anytime we had time, like you know, even after I left and went to school and he went to school we found time, we'd come back together, and be like, all right, where you at, where you at? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. He's like, all right, I'm here. Right? Like, what you working on, what you working on? We just kept exchanging ideas. And even to this day, like, we're so similar and, and different in a lot of ways, you know, just natural evolution. You know, I have a family and stuff now, and he's still single and, you know, having a good time. And uh, and so it's, it's nice, like, we live vicariously through each other. And oh, we just yeah, we right. just communicate like you know, a different thing. Different that thing. that's fun to be on the journey with somebody who you're not in competition with. Yeah, you, you know, know, you are, but but it's but it's not like yeah, it, it, it's only to like to spur each other out on. You know, exactly. Like, hey man, you got to kick it up a notch. Exactly. <laughs> you know that's all. no, no. It's true. That's it's awesome. It's totally about that. Yeah, yeah. Like we keep each other on the only we're always on each other's toes. And I feel like he's under, like, more pressure than I am because he's, you know, much more known, you know, because he's played with so many great artists and, you know, he's been in that spotlight for so long. Whereas, like, me, you know, I'm still kind of underground, you know. And that's, that's, you're, you're more a jazz guy. Chris has played with exactly. Michelle, yeah. you know, and some pop names. Yeah. And that's the only difference, I think. I, know, it's as, cool. As far as that. But yeah, I... I you you know. guys, I mean... I wonder how he deals you're, with it, cause you're working a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> I mean, like, really. Man, I'm, I'm so happy where I'm at, you know. And uh, cause I'm not sure if I could deal with the pressure. Like I think, you know, the expectation of having to always perform a certain way. Uh. I don't know. Just I don't think I'm built for that. Like I'm built for just being creative and and being free to, you know to communicate and to like, you know, deliver a certain, you know, way, you know, that kind of is like a way that inspires me. Because if I'm not inspired... Yeah, I wanted to ask you a question about that. Okay. Like how you go about picking out your sounds for a particular project. Like for this mm -hmm. one, for instance. Right. Like for you listeners, um... I'll probably post a couple of these pictures. I'll, I'll put something under this podcast. Um, I just got a couple of pictures of the kit, uh -huh. and yeah, this the ride symbols upside oh, yeah. down and and uh, really dry sounds. I uh -huh. mean, you switched out. We got clear heads on it. Yeah, got clear heads. And uh, is there a clear head on that kick drum? Clear head on the kick drum. Okay. Yeah. So everything was clear last night. Yeah, yeah. everything was. But clear. it had had a real nice sound. But they only overhead mic'd you. Yep. So you didn't get that necessarily. The, the overtone bang yeah. that you usually have out of your snare drum. It's true. But I think that was because maybe the overhead mic was far away. I don't know. Yeah, you just, also, it wasn't there. really your drum. Right. So you... I yeah, mean, not, I mean, and that's always the trickiest thing about going on the road is that, you know, it's the, 
it's like you're getting used to like a new lady every time. You know what I mean? Like you got to learn her background. Like, oh, okay, cool. What's, all right, what are you into? Okay, uh, am I supposed to be this type of listener? You know, whatever. So drums are kind of like that. And uh, and the thing is, I in a strange way, I, I feel like that helps because you have to get used, even though it's a drum set, it just wants to be played differently. Like it just brings something else, like the heads and everything. And so. You know, I enjoy that adventure because, uh, again, I think I work better in that type of environment. Like, I feel like I get bored and I get too, um, like, if I know I can do something, then I'm less opt to want to do it because it seems easy. Mm-hmm. Like, I, in a way, I kind of enjoy the challenge right? because then I'm, I know I'm reaching for something that I haven't reached for before. Mm-hmm. And so the things I know I can do are already in the tank. Like, it's there. And when it needs to come out, it comes out. But it's the stuff that I haven't gotten to yet. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at that point in my life now. It's just like, you know, now, you know, getting to the mid-40s. You know, I really just just still want to see how far I can go. It's just, you know. And so that's why I do these weird exercise routines to kind of keep my body in shape. What do you do? do? What Are are you talking about morning Uh, routines? Yeah, morning routines. Sometimes I start with trying to just keep myself zen and be off the phone a little bit. And then, um, you know, that way I'm kind of in more of a meditative state and just aware of, like, ideas that come into my mind and stuff like that. And then it's like, after I feel like I'm really cool and centering in that way, then I take it to the body. Then it's like, okay, you know, if it's, like, arm day, I like, well, I don't really do it. I, I, I mostly do more cardio stuff. So it's like, I don't know if you ever heard of, like, P90X and, like, mm-hmm. Insanity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I do those routines and, you know, because for me, I love to sweat and uh, I just love to keep my limbs strong. And I found that it's been something that's helped, uh, that has helped. At home, I have um, like this little weird elliptical with bands and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And what I do is like, instead of focusing on just doing like a certain routine in the morning, what I do is I do these kind of like speed intervals throughout the day. Because what it does is that that along with you know three espressos a day it kind of your heart rate gets used to like being like um you know active and i think you build a muscle interesting yeah so could you expand on that um interval thing a little bit yeah so it's like you know speed interval so basically what happens is like if you go and you just practice one thing like if you just like say you run like five miles then you tend to just kind of wear yourself out for the day Okay. Like your energy like really peaks and then it, it just tends to just dive off. Yeah. But if you do these speed intervals, what you do is like you, you activate um, an intensity that just tends to wow. stay out throughout the day. Very cool. So your energy is just always, and it's like psychologically too, you know you don't have to commit to it as long. So you can go in there for like two to three or four minutes right. and then you're done. I have like this little app at the very minimum. Uh-huh. It's usually six to eight minutes. That's it. And you know, yeah. I can usually make myself do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if nothing, or you even go, oh, I got to get out of here within forty-five minutes. You go, uh, come on, now uh, you can, yeah. you can find another six minutes. Exactly. You know, yeah. Before you jump it. into the shower, just take less time in the bathroom. That's it. That's you know? it. That's man. Yeah, I, but, I, but the interval thing, I really dig, man. Yeah, it's an, and I, I guess it's hard to cut. I guess the interval training, I guess, is supposed to get more intense, but. In a way, it is because it does get more intense. Because well, throughout the day, you know your metabolism starts to slow down. 
And so what happens is even though when you did that two to four minutes earlier, that same two to four minutes has a little bit more resistance later. And that's what you want to look for because that's what happens when you play the drums. Yeah. You know, it's like you're battling your own physical resistance. And I feel like most drummers, they just tap out. Right. And then when you tap out, everything taps out. And so you, you kind of go into like emergency mode where it's like you're not able to physically fully be available to the band. You, you lose you lose. Well, yeah, your mind too. Yeah, you get like spacey. You got to think about what my hands are doing. Exactly. Then, then yeah. you're... Yeah. Then yeah, your your focus is is gone for what you're listening to. Exactly. And when you guys are playing a whole tune, I don't know how long it went. Ten, eleven minutes. Yeah. And it's all in eleven. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, you gotta right. be doing some focusing, man. Gotta do some focusing. Orchestrating. That, that's a crazy gig. For those of you who have not heard <laughs> Circuits yet, get that record. Right. And probably anything else with Eric on. He's, uh-uh. he's just fantastic. It's what a what a great drummer. But um, I had a couple. So when you pick out your sounds, I just wanted to cover that a, oh, a, yeah. little, a little bit more. Well, I, you know what? I'll be honest. I don't really enter a moment really thinking about the exact sound. It's just... It's it's not weird. I think this is something very understandable when you think about it. Something in a way chooses you for that moment, and that's the way I've always picked my sounds. Like I, that's what you know. I always feel like, you know, when I first wanted symbols with holes in them, and everybody was like, "Why would you play symbols with holes in them?" You know, and I was like, I really don't know why. I just kind of like the way that sounds, and it just didn't make sense to to the you know to the popularity of things that were happening in drums at that time mm-hmm. because I think we live in a society that just pays attention to what's popular Absolutely. not necessarily like like what just authentically sounds good so much yeah but now <laughs> everybody on those songs goes and so right. but the same thing with like different sounding snares and just you know I always like these little toys and gadgets and stuff I mean that kind of has a dual purpose I like it because I'm a I still love watching cartoons, and I, you know, I don't sit down and play with toys, but I just like something that reminds people that no matter how old I get, I'm still a kid. Well, I, I like the groove. I think it was early on in the night, and I don't know what tune, it, what the name of it was uh-huh. anymore. But there was a cyclic, a cyclical, maybe two or four bar thing, and you were putting a couple of your stacks, and you lose, you're using some really small stacks. Exactly. Like. What are they? Eight, ten inches, maybe. Yeah, one is a it's an eight and ten combination, but and then the other one is just a ten combination. But either way, man, it's it's like those in there uh-huh. gave it yeah. almost almost kind of like uh, you know an electric yeah. sound on acoustics. Yeah, because it was thrown in and it's randomish. Yeah, exactly. Like a drum machine kind of deal. Exactly. You know, man, when I heard... Was there was there a live bass player on that record? There was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, how? Really? Oh, I know. Right? There had to be, so at least in some places. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lindley Marth, who's a ridiculous electric bass player. But that, was, that was great, but I mean... Uh, yeah. But even last night, the con- three cats. yeah. Playing all that music last night was a crazy cool. Oh man, and I still feel like Potter. He's he he was really kind of he had a fever last night and stuff like that. Wow. Yeah, he wasn't even like 
70%. Yeah. Wow. He was really dialing it in. Yeah, I think the okay. altitude got him somehow. And, like, yeah, because he told us before the set, he's like, cats. You know. The altitude's tough, man. I know. That's why you know, I was trying to tell him. I was like, man, you got to prepare for this thing. Like, you got to hydrate. Really hydrate. And yeah. then, uh, you know, work on your cardio. And, and the workout thing yeah, is big. I know when is. I, the first time I was ever flying into mountains, uh-huh. like, you know, um, Santa Fe and that. Oh, I'd right. be there. If you don't realize that's what's going on, yeah. you can drink coffee all day and you never get with it. Or exactly, exactly. Until you realize it's about water yeah. and it's about getting that heart rate up a that's little bit. That's it. Got to, man. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I, I love altitudes, man. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been in New York, man? Uh, I moved to New York in 1994. Not to radically turn corners, but I just did. <laughs> hey, man, that's what this is for, man. You know. Um, so you've been 94? How old uh, were you when you got there? Uh, 17. Wow. Yeah, yeah, 17. Yeah, that's when I went to college. I was like 17, wow. 18. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's young, dude. I know. It was you're great. away from home. Oh, man, I was ready to leave. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was ready for the excitement, you know. And um, and I had, a, you know, some guiding spirits, like, you know, a good friend of mine who also went to my high school. He was already up there going to school, Jason Moran, piano player. Okay. So I think my parents felt cool enough to know that if somebody else they knew was also at the All same right. school, I had got a full recommendation got, from Wynton Marcellus. You got a full scholarship, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Wynton Marcellus, like, he spoke to the school on my behalf. All I had to do was go audition, and it was, like, cool. So it was, like, you know, family was there, you, you know. I mean, yeah. yeah. You get a recommendation from and a full ride from Wynton. Yeah. You might want to go. Exactly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just up, just on me to you know try not to fuck it up. Just a couple other things yet. Um, so about here's what I'm trying to get students to realize is that it doesn't have to be like forever to take lessons or to get good on something. Right. I think in my head I was always like chasing one day I'll be better, one day I'll be better, and you will. Yeah. But the thing is, at what point can you trust yourself to be? working on the gig you know right. even though I'm doing gigs I'm always feeling like it wasn't enough but yeah. now so what I'm doing is trying to get kids to feel and get well players even guys coming back mm-hmm. just get that confidence on the on the instrument and get feeling like basically there's easy ways to work on it work on a click at right. the same time you're working on your independence or right. your dependence yep. now You've done some movie soundtracks. Yeah. And those, I'm sure, are click-dependent, right? Yeah. I love click tracks. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel like that's very, too, very, too. very important. But how how would you say... Is Do you think of, like, when you sit down to practice? I know you don't get a lot of chance to anymore. Uh-huh. But practicing effectively, like... Yeah. You know, I feel like, in a way, it's, it's all effective um, just because you're you're working on something now it can be more effective if you can give yourself i feel like your body lets you know which is the way i gauge it when i go to play and i'm just i just a lot of times i don't really try to put something in place it's more of about uh you know endurance training and just making sure that my limbs can move a certain way right but then within that i realized like you know i just self-check myself I'm like oh man my left hand's a little slow or they can't really keep up on this, or my my left foot is a little stronger than my right foot in certain things. And so what I do is I allow each limb to teach the other limb. 
And so it's like whatever is strong here, then it's like I start mimicking it in the, on the other limb. And the same with the feet. It's like I just mimic. And so that way, at least they're on the same page. And then after that, you know, I've gone through obsessive periods of just like obsessively going over like every type of odd meter I could think of. And then, um, you know, like, I mean, I, what else can I say? It's uh, anything that I find that has influenced me, like different styles that I feel like, you know, when I feel like I needed to work on my groove, you know, I just went through a period of just listening to nothing but just so many different groove albums. Right. And not necessarily trying to focus on the album itself, but just hear what was so effective on how the drums and the bass, you know, how it made that sound. Like, how it, like where the pocket falls. Where the pocket, because everybody was different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. it's the same thing in jazz. It's like, you know, the different ideas that everyone threw out. But it wasn't always them as an individual. It was how they complemented each other. And so, you know, I'm listening for that because I think to be as effective, you have to also know who you're playing with. Like, I can play a groove with James, you know, a certain way because I know how James plays. Mm -hmm. But if I play with a a different piano player, I'll have to approach the groove in a different way because it's just a different background, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's another more in-depth way, I think, drummer should practice like practice outside of just because I, f- I feel like you get stagnant when you only practice one way mm-hmm. and you only hear things one way so it's like you have to broaden your listening it's like listening to as many different albums and as many different styles because then it's like the language is there even if you don't feel like you know it um physically theoretically it's there and then you can at least try it <laughs> like i learned from sharing a practice room with some of these guys I just saw them sit down, yeah, man. you know, voila. You know. Yeah, and then play a groove, and then yeah. work on that, yep. and then just see what comes from that. And like you said, you f- you you you're gonna hit a transition at some spot yeah, that yeah. isn't smooth. Yeah, and so you decide what you need to work on in that yep. to smooth out that kind of a deal, so yeah. you don't get caught. Yeah, on that part of the drum set or in that kind of a groove, with you you can't get from the yeah. verse to the chorus. Exactly. So. I mean that that to me has been one of the biggest eye opening things in my adult drumming life. Mm-hmm. You know, just how to practice. Get out of the books. Books yeah. are cool. Right. But yeah. get out of that sometimes and just just play. Yeah. Just play. And, and that's basically what you're talking about, I yeah. think. Oh yeah. That's I mean play and find out what's not working. Exactly. <laughs> Because it will come up. It will. It's, if you're honest with yourself, it'll come up. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I, and because, you know, the physical part of itself is, is so difficult, you know. Then it's like you got the mental thing. So that's, you know, I really tell drummers, you really want to try to work on the physical as much as, port, as, much as you can. Because when the mental thing comes up, like if you're playing in front of like some of your idols and stuff like that, you're just definitely going to get nervous and you're definitely going to choke down. So you just want to, in that moment when you're thinking about that, you don't want to have to think about what you're playing. You want the facility to already be there because then even through the nerves, like the nerves just gives you adrenaline. So in a way, you should be able to even raise the stakes a little bit more because like you got this energy now. But it's, you know, I think sometimes you know, drummers like they choke down because it's like they're still in that in that in that mindset of like having to just think about every little detail. And it's like 
we, we want to like have to look good. <laughs> we don't want to look bad. I know, man. You know, but that's and, also you got to get rid of that too. Yeah. You know, be willing to fail. Be willing to, you know, I've I've failed on so many gigs and just. How's that? What do you consider failing? Failing meaning that it's just either I, I didn't execute the tune the way that I wanted to, and the fact that sometimes I could just maybe look on the face of a person that was listening, or not maybe not a listener, because most listeners are truly open to whatever you present, but like another, you know, musician in the band, mm-hmm. and you know, and they're like, really, man, like, you're just, you know, either overplaying, underplaying, or you're not listening. And these are things that, you know, you just discover along the way. They're hard to to explain what they are. It's just, but it's it's really a thing. It's like, you know, a person, a mature musician can totally hear when you're not listening and when you're just off doing your own thing on your own island, no matter how good you are. And it's because it just doesn't complement the music. And you just have to listen to music more and more to understand what that is that they mean. I'm and, so glad you said that. Oh. Because this whole podcast is about drumming drummer drummer secrets right and these are the things that get the good players really good right and the great players shine way beyond and it's but it's minuscule but it's big ideas but it does almost never gets covered right and that's what i want to shortcut some of the listeners to you know if if they're open to it yeah because this stuff makes a huge amount of sense if you can hear it you know, and I appreciate you talking about that. No, man, you know you're. I feel like that's... so. So listen, everybody. If Eric Harlan can have a bad gig, <laughs> there's still hope for us. Hey, man. <laughs> it's bad. It's, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. It happens. You know. Yeah. It's a good thing. I mean, I enjoy, I've, I've learned. I think more from the bad gigs than, than even the good ones because. But the good ones are, are good too because they still apply more pressure because then you have to live up to what you just coming did. Back. Oh yeah, you gotta keep like it all in one. Man, you gotta, you know, and you know it, it keeps your game up until you just feel like, all right, I can't do this anymore, you know. But uh, you know, I saw the legends like Elvin to to the end. Like he was just like, I'm gonna give it everything I have, and you're like, wow, okay, you know, Art Blakey, Tony, like just wow. Cool. Yeah. Well, I guess we could cut it right there, man. Amen. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, man. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Yeah, indeed. Thanks. Eric Harlan, thanks for stopping by, man. Or thanks for letting me do this with you, man. Uh, and if you're in Denver tonight, <laughs> it's Wednesday night. Let's see. I might not get this up by that time anyway. Look for Eric all over the place. Where can people find you, man? You want uh, me to connect with you a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can find me anywhere on social media, Facebook. Instagram is probably the most the one I spend the most time on. What's your? Um, you just Eric Harland? Yeah, on on Facebook I'm just Eric Harland. Instagram and that's Harland H A R L A N D. Yes. And then the only one that's weird is Twitter. It's uh, Harlan underscore Eric. So it's just the reverse. I know they made us think like we had to do weird stuff on Twitter at first. Oh man! And now everybody's just... got weird names. I've switched mine finally, but. Well, yeah, because you can't copy names. Or something. <laughs> yeah, so Eric Harlan was already taken. All right. Well, cool. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. Uh, everybody, I'm going to have you ask some questions later, and maybe we can, next time Eric's in town, maybe we can get some of those answered. Cool. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, man. Hey, I hope you really enjoyed that. Leave me any comments. I'll try to get to 
shows that actually feature some of your comments. And please keep coming back. It can only get better. Can't tell you how much fun I've had doing this so far. Look to see you back here soon. And uh, hang in there. Keep grooving.